it will not be possible for every group to have everything they want. No point talking, la, nothing will get done. One. Hi, I'm Hosan Leong and welcome to our very first episode of Red Dot Hot Takes. And I've got three very special guests with me and I want to say a warm welcome to Maimuna Mosley. Tell us a bit about yourself. Hi, my name is Maimuna Mosley. I am the Director, a Systemic Consultant as well as a Psychotherapist with Hayat Network Private Limited. Okay, and what do you do? Oh, a lot of things. Um, I work with um, individual couples and families okay. largely. I see them in my clinic. And um, at the same time, I provide consultancy to agencies who want to develop systemic practices. And um, I give talks. No. Um, and training sometimes. Thank you so much for Thank being you. here. Thank you for and, having me. And um, Belinda Lee. Yeah. Hello, tell us a bit about yourself. Hi, my name is Belinda. I'm a professional TV host, actress, author, and inspirational speaker, primarily focusing on humanitarian and social impact work. I have been in an industry for more than 20 years. Yeah, I've been around for a long time. That's why <laughs> I've known you for a long like time. <laughs> <laughs> no. We've known each other for a while. We yeah. have, actually. Yeah. I mean, I think just after your MTV days. Yes, yes, okay, yes. We won't go, this is 1990-something. <laughs> we won't go into that right now. <laughs> but thank you for being here too, Belle. Thank you. And of course, uh, we know very well our guitar hero, <laughs> from earlier on in our HR um, interview. Yes. Thank you for DPF for coming here. Thank you. To have a chat to with be us. here. Um, red dot hot takes. We are going to be talking about the forward SG exercise, uh, which you may have seen or heard over the past couple of months. And I think we have the right people here to talk about what's going on. DPM, please correct me if I'm not wording it correctly. It's a partnership between the 4G government team and Singaporeans to refresh our social compact and chart our way forward together. You got it right. Correct, huh? Okay, <laughs> now from the website. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so the fundamental question is right now, on everyone's lips and fingertips, because when I first heard about the phrase social compact, I had to Google it because I didn't know what it meant. So what is social compact? Because, you know, the ladies and I, social compact, compact for me is makeup. Lah. <laughs> okay, what does it mean? What is social compact and why is it important for Singapore? I think this is really an important and timely issue mm. uh, for us to be discussing. Because I think in order for us to chart uh, our future, we need to also take stock about what's happening so that, you know, we sort of like work towards aligning mm. with each other. And it's not just about following what the government will want to do, but it's also taking stock about where we are as a community, as mm -hmm. a society. Mm. That's what social compact means to me. And okay. it's absolutely, absolutely uh, crucial because we are changing as a society. And quite rapidly you know? as well, Absolutely, right? yeah. yes. Yeah. For me, I think social compact actually means, you know, creating a shared vision and also setting a very clear direction towards the future as one Singapore. Because I believe that a place of agreement is a place of power. Mm. So, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about agreement and disagreement in just a while. Yes. DPM, about right, what everyone's saying? You know, well, I think I agree with both the views. Mm -hmm. I, fundamentally, a social compact is about how we relate to one another in society, about our roles and responsibilities of all the different segments of society. And you have the government, you have employers, you have community groups, you have individuals and workers. Each of us would have expectations of one another, mm -hmm. but we also have duties and obligations to one another and society at large. So how do we in the end find that balance? To put it in very simple terms, 
everyone says, government, please do more. Mm. That's fine. That could be everyone's expectations mm. of the government. But if you have that expectation and the government is prepared to do more, would everyone also be prepared to pay more taxes because that's how government expenditures are funded? Mm -hmm. Or for another, to give another illustration, if we have a, an expectation that amongst ourselves, we can solve our own problems, mm -hmm. disputes amongst neighbours, let's all resolve amongst ourselves. So this exercise is really about what sorts of social compact do we want to see in Singapore? Mm -hmm. How do we find that right balance? And I think it's important because having that social compact and understanding will help keep our society together, maintain Singapore as a high trust society mm -hmm. and enable us to chart our way forward in a more uncertain and volatile future. Mm. So then what is it you're asking Singaporeans to do? Well, for this particular exercise, as we review our different roles and responsibilities, uh, we would invite Singaporeans to participate actively in different ways. Mm. One is to give us your feedback and ideas on how things can change. What are your expectations? What would you like different groups to do, including the government, employers or community groups? So give us your feedback directly. Second, participate in our engagement sessions because there's nothing like interacting with one another. Mm. And it's not just about the government hearing more from Singaporeans, but it's also about us listening to one another because mm -hmm. we may well have different views, different perspectives, and we, it's important, I think, for us to all listen to each mm -hmm. other. And finally, for those of us who feel very strongly about particular issues, we hope that it's not just about giving ideas and feedback, but you might also want to take action, mm -hmm. participate in something to shape the social compact or to shape Singapore's future. Mm -hmm. And we will empower groups to also you know, do things and do projects that will allow them to contribute significantly to mm -hmm. Singapore's future. I really hope that the Singaporeans will take that to heart though because, you know, I don't know, when, when I was growing up, we always hear this, like, don't, no point talking, la, nothing will get done one, right? And mm -hmm. I don't know whether mm -hmm. you, we used to be told that. Right? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I mean, thank you for raising that, uh, Jose, because I think uh, we have been induced or rather introduced mm. uh, most of the time with the idea of responsibility. But I think it is time for us to actually be talking together about what, you know, what kind or how do we develop responsibility. Yeah. So instead of just responsibility, is really working together on developing the art of responsibility. So we learn about, you know, how to respond to a given situation as compared to just relying on the government or relying on community services mm. as a community as a person how do you how do you invoke or invite you know the, in, the individual to develop that skill yeah. Yeah. I think times have changed you know Jose in the yeah. past yeah we were told okay if there's any problem it's okay you solve your own problems right mm. don't go look for you know the government to help you but I think now it's a little bit different whenever there is a problem especially when there's a dispute or there's anything I always hear people saying go look for MP la. <laughs> <laughs> they will help us <laughs> okay this is what I've been hearing a lot right. of people mm. saying which is actually a good thing because you know they do want to seek help and mm. they and they do trust that the government team is able to help them okay which I think is great no, this is a great positive, positive thing yeah. To, to, yeah and the government will want to do more too so right. we will want to do more to meet the needs of Singaporeans mm. to provide solutions but I think we need to find the right balance. Mm. So that's what this exercise is about. Mm. What are the things where government should step 
forward, do more and we will do more. Mm. What are these areas? But what are other areas where we want more response abilities mm -hmm. where Singaporeans, whether as individuals or as part of a community, yeah. we can do self-help solutions. And where mm -hmm. do we find this new balance? That's okay. exactly what this exercise is about. And to the point that, uh, you know, my inputs do not matter, do not, do not seem to make a difference. Mm. Well, hopefully with each round of these engagements, people will see that their inputs, in fact, can contribute to making a difference in policies. And in mm. fact, in this round of engagements, we will be trying out new, more innovative formats, including the idea of more citizens panel, mm. where it's not just the typical session where the minister sits with a group of people and it's Q&A, right. right? But you have a group of citizens coming together on a particular issue that they care deeply about. Mm -hmm. They wrestle with the issues. They listen to all the different views and they think about what is the best trade-off and balance to strike. And then they have the mm -hmm. empowerment and the responsibility to develop policy recommendations wow, okay. for the government to wow. consider. Wow, so the idea of a citizens yeah. panel is what we mm. hope to do more of as well through this engagement exercises. Mm. I really hope that there'll be less apathy in society with regard mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. how we want this country to move forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, this show is called Red Dot Hot Takes. And right now, we're going to have a hot take and we're going to see what happens here. Having a social compact is not that important as long as each individual is striving to do their best. It's a very important question. And I think we need to be able to also uh, take into consideration best by whom, mm. best for who. Whose standards is Who's it? Whose standards mm. is it? Is it my family standard or is it the government standard? Is it the school standards? I think standards are created for us to be able to perform. But I think in general, if you look at families or individuals that we have actually dealt with, everybody's standards are very different. So I think it's really, really important to take um, into consideration how individual actually fare in relation to the standards we have created. In our experience, if you look at it, you know, people have struggled mm. through meeting the standards. And let's talk about standard of living. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's very difficult. And we see that across in our com in our community. Some can live up to that standard. Some really is and still are struggling. Mm -hmm. And here, I think I'd like to bring upon the idea about intergenerational struggles. Mm. You know, the parent three, I have worked with um, families for over two or three generations. And I still see families mm -hmm. in the low income family three generations ago, still struggling at this point. Yeah. So is it the issue about standards or is it an issue about how they are accessing support or help mm -hmm. or what is it? So, so you're making me think about what is standard and standard for who and for mm -hmm. what? Well, so on the hot take itself and Maimuna's uh, reactions, certainly we want every individual to be able to strive to do their best. Mm -hmm. We want there to be opportunities for everyone to maximize their potential. But I don't think you will have social cohesion if as a result of everyone doing their best, you end up with unequal, mm -hmm. very unequal mm -hmm. outcomes, which is yeah. what Maimuna was saying. Mm -hmm. And if you end up with a society where only a few do very well and succeed, mm -hmm. but the rest are languishing, mm -hmm. then I think there will be 
widespread unhappiness mm -hmm. and there will be a strong sense that the system has failed. Mm -hmm. But we know that the stresses are there, are real. Mm -hmm. And there are instances where Absolutely. families do face difficulties mm -hmm. and where poverty gets transmitted to the next generation. Mm -hmm. So how can we do more as a society to hold our people together and ensure that the fruits of progress are spread and shared widely across all segments? Mm -hmm. That's why the, so the social compact is important. Otherwise, Singapore will not be able to move forward as a one people. Absolutely. I mean, I completely agree. We have to move forward, okay? But what is threatening the social compact? So people say we want to move forward together. Mm. But someone's forward is this way. Someone's forward is to the left. Someone is to the right. So how are we going to agree? So our next hot take, our kiasu culture will never allow us to put aside our own ambitions for others. So some might say by submitting to the common good, is submitting to the will of the majority. So basically, the mi minority how like that? Minority how? Okay, first of all, mm. I disagree. I agree that there are lots of very kiasu Singaporeans out there. <laughs> lots of them. But there are also a lot of very giving Singaporeans. I grew up in an environment where I was constantly taught to always put the interests of others before my own. You know, and my mom was my role model. Uh, I always remember her, you know, because we, we came from a poor family. We didn't have much. But I remember her always, you know, buying a lot of food, curry rice, to go and bless the construction workers working around our estate. So when I saw her giving heart, her generosity, um, even though she didn't have much to offer, it meant so much to the workers. And for me to watch all that happening right before my eyes, it served as an inspiration to me that when I grow up, I want to do the same. I always tend to work on shows that primarily focuses on humanitarian and social impact work. Like a show, you know, Renovate. Mm -hmm. I actually do see lots of, you know, volunteers from all walks of lives, you know, Singaporeans, even my husband, American, they would all come together week after week to get down and dirty, mm -hmm. to help out, to help all these underprivileged families to renovate their homes. No agenda whatsoever. All they want to do is to make a difference in the lives of other people. Okay. So I really feel that, you know, uh, Singapore as a society has got such a big heart. But I, I, agree, I agree fully with Belinda. I don't think we should be too hard on ourselves. Okay. Um, in other cultures, we would say we are go-getters. Kiasu means being a go-getter. It's framed very positively. But somehow we frame our go-getting culture in a very negative way. Is it because we step on other people to get to the top, you see? Uh, maybe. Maybe but, sometimes. Maybe. But it's yeah. not as though they don't elsewhere either, you know? True. Uh, yeah. So, yes, we have a kiasu culture, but let's not be too hard on ourselves mm. because we are also a very giving society. Mm -hmm. And in the last two and a half years during COVID, mm. giving has actually gone up. Gone up, yes. Mm -hmm. Corporate giving, yeah. individual giving, philanthropic giving, all of that has gone up. Mm. We have given back more to the community and our sense of trust and solidarity has increased mm. during crisis, okay. which is quite remarkable. It's, it's heartening. It's very mm. heartening to, to, to know that, mm -hmm. right? Well, any, any culture that surfaces, to me is really an invitation for us to look at, you know, the reason behind it. Mm. You know, I think it's so easy to 
point a finger and put a blame or rather say, oh, Kiasu is super Kiasu. <laughs> but I think as part of, you know, uh, developing the social compact, I think it's good to take stock of what we mean by certain things. And I think defining or helping the community to, uh, you know, have the opportunity to redefine uh, what Kiasu mean. What is the purpose mm. of Kiasu? Mm. Uh, what else can Kiasu offer? Mm. You know, other than just, uh, you know, going <laughs> along the floor and say that, oh, Kiasu is not so good after all. Mm. And I think we don't want to develop a culture of blame. Yeah, and no. we are so, so familiar mm. because of the red race and this and that. We tend to develop. I don't want yeah. to deny that. Yeah. But I think it's now that we're taking stock, I think it's so, so crucial for us to be also taking stock about how we make meaning of things. Mm. That's true. And I think it's, yeah, um, true. we need to give that opportunity to, to the community. Mm. And and the fact mm. that the government is engaging, you know, um, mm. all this conversation, this will surface. And uh, going back to my earlier point about intergenerational pain, this is something that I think we need to address, uh, DPM, uh, mm. because I feel the intergenerational space cannot be a space where they just deal where, you know, deal in a space where it's only problem-centered conversation that can take place. Mm -hmm. So we need to take this out mm -hmm. and be able to talk about, you know, how the past generation have experienced what they have experienced and how it has impacted the current generation. And these will, I think, allowing people to actually language the pain can actually have a very useful effect on them as well as us as, for information. Do you, do you all think that it's getting better, dialogue? Because, you know, back in the day, it was impossible. I mean, even now, sometimes speaking with friends, you know, about issues, right? People can't seem to agree to disagree. I'm guilty of it because I end every sentence with correct or not. <laughs> that, what does that mean, right? It means you have to agree with me, right? Ah, see, right? <laughs> so, as Singaporeans, right? Do we have the ability to actually have, you know, conversation and, and dialogue and, and, and exchange of viewpoints without you know, the walls being built. Well, I personally think that, you know, um, the way forward is to really allow our unconscious bias to surface. Because mm. we all, each and every one of us, have our unconscious bias. Like, you know, my views about gender, my views about race and religion and whatnot have you. Each one of us mm. are entitled to the... Um, to, to an opinion. But I think the struggle is when you want the opinion to take representation. And that's why I welcome the, 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 the whole idea about let's learn how to have an open dialogue mm -hmm. where, you know, I can sit down. I mean, mm -hmm. like previously when I want to visit a friend who is sick in a, uh, you know, or rather entering a wake in a church, I feel... I feel wrong. So sometimes it's my own bias that, mm. that actually makes it wrong. Mm. But, you know, the, the Christian community welcome that. Mm -hmm. And now that we have mosque opening for other people to visit, that crisscrossing, that coming in between, allow us to really now be open to, let's pay attention to what are we mm. needing to attend to. Mm -hmm. Because if you want to address what's happening in, the, in you know, 50 years ago, I think that, that conversation is going to be difficult. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying we shouldn't. Mm have it but we if we can hold the complexity of the conversation that is excellent mm. but if we can't then you know let's pay attention to our own biases and then mm. we can move from mm -hmm. there that's that's mm. my take okay. mm. and well, a lot of yeah. this is about having safe spaces True. Mm. for yeah. such uh, honest conversations yeah. to take place it's not possible to do this on social media oh. yeah. and <laughs> i think social media can easily make things worse we should 
try to develop more of these platforms where different mm. groups, different people, different communities can come together, mm. have these conversations about mm. issues that they care about. And that's mm. what we are trying to do okay. in this exercise. I think it's yeah. important, you know, for us to be quick to listen and slow to judge. Mm. You know, mm, for sure. I think very often we're so just so, we're so critical all the time. Yeah. There was one time I was being invited to a school to actually share with students on on the topic on how to be a globalized citizen. Globalized. Globalized. Wow. You know that means how to adopt a global mindset, and still keeping your local roots and identity. And I really, really feel that when all of us are able to come together, yeah, we have the willingness and openness to really hear one another's opinions with empathy and with no judgment. Mm. Then there is hope mm. in trying to meet, you know, each other halfway and to find that common ground. Otherwise, it's so hard. Mm. Totally. Right? I wanted to just add to that. That's beautifully said, Belinda, because I find that I think the struggle with the different generation gap is that when I talk about respect, the younger generation's idea of respect is very different from my generation mm. of respect. And I think that is that level of openness we need to be able to embrace. Yeah. So how do we diversify, you know, have a volume 1.2 to the idea of respect, mm. for example. So so it's, I think it's about being able to, to move with time yeah. and not wanting things to remain as it is. That's true. Mm -hmm. DPM, I have a question mm -hmm. for you, you know. How do we keep Singapore in harmony, <laughs> like you mentioned earlier, with all the different voices and opinions all fighting for attention, especially on social media? Well, it's a continuing challenge. The competing voices are sometimes not just domestic. Nowadays, mm. you've got external actors too who are out to conduct what we call influence operations because we are living in a more geopolitically contested mm. world. And everyone would like Singapore to move closer to their point of view. Yeah. So it is going to be more contested on social media, be it amongst our own diverse populations or even with external actors. We just have to be aware of this. And, and I think we should not um, you know, give up on the very basics of just having in-person, face-to-face mm. engagements and dialogue. It's harder to scale Right? Because you can do it with 10, 20, mm. 30, 50 people, 100 people. How do you do it nationwide? nationwide. Yeah. That's much harder to do. But mm. I think it's still a very important means for us to do so. And we should not be cynical about that mm. process. Because the risk is, the, you know, you say we do it and then everyone has a cynical response and say, mm. ah, this is, what's the use of it? Mm. And if we don't even start to have that, ex that, that kind of dialogue, yeah. then we are already, yeah. we have already given up. Already our base. Yeah, <laughs> All right, we're going to go to our next hot take, okay? Hot take. Having conversations on issues is ultimately an exercise in futility and gets us nowhere. Well, that's what I talked about. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, how at it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we can only try to show with what we have been through. This is not the first time we have done a conversation. We've done it before. We've done these exercises from time to time. Mm. And if you look at the past, each time we've done one of these exercises, you can, you can easily see how it's led to change, how it's help influence government policies, mm -hmm. how it has brought different communities together. Mm -hmm. There have been positive outcomes, mm -hmm. 
right? In, if anyone is skeptical, just look at what we have done in the past. And I have no doubt that we can continue to do this well and keep on pushing the frontier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think moving forward, it's so, so important for us to really just, you know, like put aside our ego, our pride, our preconceived notion of each other and to have a conversation, have an honest conversation. I think if, you know, how do we grow and how do we progress if there is no communication at all? Mm-hmm. So that's why this discussion is so, so important. Mm-hmm. So that's what I've always believed in, extending that loving kindness mm-hmm. and empathy towards one another and allow honesty and transparent conversation to take place without judging. I just wanted to add to this, okay. you know, that I think... Um, we don't we don't come from a culture where we have conversation and real mm. raw conversation, mm, and I absolutely. think we need to acknowledge that mm. that it's so easy to give an opinion or pass information, but we forget that every information is in formation. It's not carved in stone, and I think we need to actually show that you know how is it that we can have an open dialogue or you know open conversation mm. that allows action to take place with given time so your participation or you know our participation in conversation is very important mm. yeah you know Hosanna mm. I actually was just talking to a friend of mine today and we were just talking about certain things and he said you know what's the point of talking when the mm. government has already made mm. certain decisions mm. and I asked where did you hear that from? Oh, from my friends, lah. They mm-hmm. all say, you know, so, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, what's what's the point of saying anything? You see, the challenge that we always face in the government is that if we have a conversation, we listen and we follow up with very quick action, the cynical response is you already decided. The conversation was a wayang. <laughs> <laughs> if we listen and we deliberate and we take more time Mm. because it's a very hard Mm. issue and therefore we cannot move, Mm. then the response is, you see, you were not sincere. Mm. Right. Nothing was done. Right. So on both sides, you can't win. You're caught between a rock and a hard place, basically. Not just, yeah. (laughs) On both sides, you can't win. But if if someone starts off with that cynical premise, Mm. then I think we are in trouble. If everyone starts off from that cynical premise, Mm. then we will trust in Singapore will just erode over time. And you know the saying, trust is built in drops and lost in buckets. It's very quick. It's very easy for trust Mm. to be lost in our society. And we should, like I said just now, don't take that for granted. Try to, you know, suspend any cynicism and skepticism for Mm. the time Mm. being. Mm. Engage in these efforts in good faith. Develop tools because each time we do it, we are building up muscle. We are learning how to do it better and Mm. the next time we will do it better. Mm. Well, why do you think there's this cynicism though? You know, I I don't understand because it's, people say, oh, I've got things to say. I got, you know, I want to say something, but is it they can't find the channels or they think the one listens to them? I don't understand where the cynicism comes from. I mean, taking it from my uh, from my experience in working with families, mm. I think part of the cynicism comes from, you know, their constant experience of being filled at many layers of the system. Right. So there are many layers to our system, to be honest. And I think it's a struggle to weave in and out. Mm. Um, um, and, it's, and again, like you rightly say, DPM, that, you know, the issues that, the families faced are very complex. Mm. So you want to deal with HDB, you contravene with this 
and that mm. and also your past decision and this and that so there are many issues and which is why it to me you know in, um, as as a profess, professional in working with families i find that you know we need to equip our practitioners for example to be able to deal with the complexity mm. not the silo issues Yeah. So the the ability to 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 weave in and out of context and having the right contact it yeah. will help it will help mm. the families better so the cynicism to me again as i said much earlier is mm. not just an act to put down somebody but really a voice to want to be heard want to be attended to and want their issues to be addressed yeah and and one point to add there is that you see cynicism builds up when you have expectations not fulfilled yeah mm. and in a way we have you know developed in singapore from a country where in the initial stages it was very much self-reliant self-help mm-hmm. you know you do your own thing and over the years over the decades as the country has become more prosperous more affluent you know lives have been transformed within one generation expectations have gone up mm, yes i mean we the living standards even for the poorest in singapore are far better than many other countries in the That's region right. mm. i mean as yeah. belinda said mm. just now mm. but expectations are high yeah. and when there are expectations not met mm. then you have unhappiness frustration disappointment. and disappointment yeah. and then over time cynicism builds up mm. and that's why i go back to why it is important for us to set our expectations right expectations of the government expectations of one another mm. expectations mm. of the community we all have different roles and responsibilities if everyone thinks that the government is the superman that can solve everything <laughs> you will be sorely disappointed it's not sure. possible but neither do we want a society where it's each man for himself or herself and when crisis come you just have to fend for yourself so we, where is that balance mm. and how do we have the right expectations as well as the sense of duty and obligations to one another so um i was listening to your interview with glenda the other day and about providing opportunities for singaporeans right so moving forward now um how how is the government working this out what kind of opportunities are you providing or you know moving moving as in a society we want to do more to make sure that everyone has the opportunity every citizen has the opportunity to really maximize his or her potential in life that starts from early childhood to make sure that every child in singapore regardless of family backgrounds has a good start in life mm. it goes through education which we have been doing a lot we will see what more we can do and then it extends through the working years so that that chance for lifelong learning the opportunities to keep on refreshing upgrading our skills will always be there mm. the other aspect of this Uh, which also i think relates to a point that we talked about is more than just the opportunity how do all of us in society view success and it goes mm. back to <laughs> our idea of meritocracy i think meritocracy is a wonderful idea it's the only way to organize ourselves if we don't organize ourselves by merit then what's the basis by patronage by connections surely not but I think our challenge in Singapore is that our uh, notion of success is very narrow. So a lot of it is our mindset, mm. um valuing every individual, every person for who or 
what who he or she is, and the contributions they bring to the table, and according them the mm. dignity and respect they deserve. Mm. That's so important. Uh, well, I I think um, the fact that there are already efforts, you know, put into um, providing and ensuring that the child, our children actually will go through certain form of education. Mm -hmm. And the fact that, you know, it is not just based on merit. You know, I think we are now looking at, you know, what are their potential, what are their interests. Not just and academic. All That's right. Um, not just academic. Mm. And I think that is really uh, um, a useful opening for us to actually look into how else we can look into our education system. Mm -hmm. Because uh, our education system, uh, in the experience or rather... It, the the kind of uh, expectation that we put on children is still the same, i.e. you have to perform academically. So more conversations, I feel, need to, need to be held with parents on, you know, what are the other form of education that we are also equally embracing. Yeah. Mm. I, I think that's so important, but I, I feel also it starts from the jobs, you see. There's a range of jobs that you can look at, you can aspire towards, depending on different skill sets, mm. different talents, different mm. abilities, different inclinations, mm. and I embrace that. And because these different fields and professions have different requirements, mm -hmm. some do require academic abilities, but not all. Not all. Some are more hands-on, some are more technical, and therefore, the pressure to get to the so-called right schools well, hopefully ease. Hopefully, After all, yeah. I didn't go to a so-called right school <laughs> either. And it was fine. Yeah. Because, I mean, both I'm of us. I'm feeling a lot. Right? Like, we, we, we yeah. are entertainers. And when we first started out, I don't know about you, but my, my family was like, what are you doing with to. your life? Yeah, I, I guess um, I'm feeling emotional simply because, to be frank, when I was being roped in and invited to be part of the discussion today, I asked myself, who am I? What kind of qualifications do I have or what kind of credentials do I have to be, to be able to sit here to have this discussion with all of you? Like I told you, um, I, ne I, you know, I graduated, you know, I had O-levels and then I came out to work and I had to work really, really hard. My dream was to become a dancer and you're right. Parents would say, You know, means like there'll be no prospect, no future. You're going to starve to death, you know. But I guess the reason why we're still here, Hosan, is because of perseverance and because of the passion that we have for our jobs and because of resilience that, that we have built over the years, we are where we are today. I actually found my calling, you know, um, in the midst of it. And I feel that my calling is to be able to empower lives mm. out there with all the experiences that I have accumulated over the past two decades. Mm. Ultimately, I hope that Singaporeans, young Singaporeans can be inspired mm. by their own story. Mm, by yeah, their own story yeah. to build a better Singapore together. Mm. Thank That's you. very inspiring and we yeah. hope that through sharing like these, through experience like this, we can, we can have that conversation to see how we can mm. refresh mm. our meritocracy. And, and it ought to be a meritocracy of hope, a meritocracy that will embrace mm. success in all its different forms and will allow everyone to pursue excellence in their chosen field and profession.
Thank you so much for coming on to this episode, our inaugural episode of Red Dot Hot Takes. Maimuna, DPM Wong and Belinda, thank you. And thank you for joining us. Um, we are going to tackle more issues coming up. We'll be diving deeper into the six pillars of the Forward SG exercise in the upcoming episodes. So do check out www.sg slash forward SG. I'm Hosan Leong and I can't wait to catch you on the other episodes. Thank <laughs> you.